You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. At Evernorth Health Services... We believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is the Northside Sox podcast. It has been a buttzillion years since our last episode. At least it feels that way. At least it feels that way. We are your hosts. My name is Janice Scurrio of Southside Sox and a bunch of other websites, but I'll get into that in a little bit. And with me as always is the wonderful Sam Sherman. Sam, how the hell are you? You know what? I'm uh, I'm doing. Uh, I'm happy to be back for sure. Um, we were just talking a couple sec- seconds before the podcast started, but you know that was a rough way to go out at the end of last season. Um, basically, looking just outclassed in the first um, playoff series there. Um, but um, we'll 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 get into all of it. But I I'm very happy to be back. I'm I'm feeling the the air start to. I don't know about today or yesterday, but. Start to get a little warmer outside, and you know what that means, folks. Baseball season. <laughs> yeah, we are currently in, I think it was like fake spring a few days ago. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> we are back into midwinter. It is a, a balmy 37 degrees uh, in Chicago. Sure. Uh, but yes, warm weather is upon us, therefore, the return of baseball. And so uh, our our listeners have probably been wondering what the heck have the Northside Sox kids been up to since we last spoke long, long ago. Maybe you weren't wondering, but you know what? We're going to tell you what we've been doing anyway. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I've been doing a, plenty of writing for NBC Sports Edge. Uh, they brought me on for another year, so yay for that. Woo! I also just started uh, at CHGO 
Uh, so I am uh, basically one of their bench players. I am their Leori Garcia, essentially. I am going to uh, come off the bench whenever uh, uh, Sean, Herb, and Vinny uh, just need an extra person or just need someone to fill in. Uh, so I decided to maintain my full-time job and also to just start uh, covering this, uh, the White Sox as well as the sky. Uh, so, uh, so something really cool that I like to share is that when I interviewed with CHGO, I asked them what their plans for uh, the coverage of women's sports is going to be. And they were very receptive. And with the sky, you know, returning to defend a WNBA championship, what better way to launch a new sports media outlet in the city of Chicago than to, yeah, just cover the team that actually has won a championship. So yeah. I am really, really happy to be a part of that. Uh, so I'm uh, hosting uh, that show with Sabria Whitaker, and that shoots every Monday, Monday at 530. So uh, tune in tomorrow. Uh, we film live at the CHGO studios and, you know, the scenic uh, West Loop. So, uh, so yeah, that's gonna that's been a really fun project. Uh, covering basketball too is just uncharted territory for me. But you know, I love challenges. I love to challenge myself. I love to expand my horizons. Uh, and also too, it's been also fun to kind of uh, compare the worlds of baseball and basketball, uh, where it's uh, you know definitely a knee jerk reaction to complain about White Sox spending. And I, I know I've done so before in the past, like we both have on this show. Uh, and then you look at the WNBA and they have a salary cap, actually. I think it's 1.9 million. Uh, so, yeah. And the that's, WNBA, that's really CBA, they, they have it. So the salary cap actually rises, I think, like 3% every year. Uh, but uh, essentially, that's the reason why the Sky couldn't bring back Stephanie Dolson. Uh, they obviously put a preference on Allie Quigley and Courtney Vandersloot. Uh, th those two players are definitely part of that Chicago Sky core. Uh, but yeah, there's a huge contrast there where we're, you know, talking about, oh, well, why haven't, you know, the White Sox given um, like an eight figure contract yet? Or, but on the other hand here, uh, yeah, there are, you know, I, I think the, the top uh, paid player on the Sky, I believe, is Candace Parker. And she just makes a little over six figures. And it's just like, Hmm, there's definitely kind of a, a, a huge difference here. Uh, but yeah, this isn't the North Side Sky podcast. I mean, it very well could be. <laughs> it, depending on how the season goes, it, we may just end up transitioning into that anyway. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm always happy to talk Sky basketball. Uh, but yeah, if any of you are interested, definitely hop over to uh, CHGO uh, and watch our show every Monday night at 530. Uh, but anyway, enough about me, Sam, how are you and what have you been up to? Well, real quick, before I jump into that, I got to say, I didn't know th about you. This is the first I've heard about you saying that in the interview with CHGO, bringing up the, um, covering, you know, women's sports and all that. But I think that's great for a lot of reasons, but also just thinking about how there's this long kind of converse, uh, not argument necessarily, but Kind of like dialogue that, that people have had about women's sports not getting coverage or women's sports not being like, you know, if you go to Sky Games traditionally, there's not big crowds necessarily. There's all these kinds of things. And, and that could be for a lot of different women's sports. But I think that a big part of that is that, you know, people say, well, you know, and I'm just going to, I'm putting quotes around this, but like, oh, who cares about this sport or this sport or whatever? Well, 
it's hard to care about something if something's not getting covered and if people don't know about it. So I think that to, to you know, until there's that coverage, and that's why it's great that CHGO was receptive to that, hopefully more sort of similar startups across the country um, start to start to pick up on women's sports and even just the WNBA, which is a great product in itself. Um, it's like you need the coverage first. You need you need the I don't know. I mean, it's a chicken and the egg thing, but the product is there. The product is great. Um, and you being at the forefront of that coverage here in Chicago um, is going to be just awesome for the city, awesome for the team and, and really building off of a team, like you said, that won a championship. We talk in this city all the time about, you know, myself as a White Sox, Bulls, Bears uh, and Illinois sports fan. I don't get a lot of championships in my life or even really close to it. Um, but you know, you add the sky into that mix, uh, and, and all of a sudden, you know, there's your championship Chicago. So I think, uh, it's, it's right there for the taking. And it's really exciting to see what, what y'all are going to do over there. Um, covering, covering the sky and of course the White Sox as well. Um, that certainly was one of my goals actually was to, uh, take this, uh, this whole White Sox, you know, just collective that I have and kind of just, gently push them over to the sky where I'm not, you know, just about to, it's two very different things, like just baseball and women's basketball. It's almost like just day and night, but there's still lots of parallels, still lots of similarity, both play on the South side, both, uh, yeah, you know, very similar goals uh, to win. Uh, I don't know, the White Sox might be a little more questionable at times (laughs) with that goal, but we can get into that in a little bit. But uh, yeah, I I really want to uh, just generate more interest uh, for for women's sports, uh, particularly basketball. Um, I've always loved basketball too, but just really didn't know how to discuss it on a more critical level. Uh, So I've been just reading a lot, watching a lot of podcasts uh, and uh, yeah, just growing every day as a writer broadcaster. So yay. (laughs) It's it's very fun times ahead. Um, Otherwise, yeah, just uh, from, from myself, just been um, basically still in my, in my transitional process of my career change, which is going into mental health counseling. So I'm uh, just now in my second year of a three-year program at Adler University. Um, so starting my internship here in a few months, um, that'll be when I finally go part-time at my current full-time job and start to really move in. It's a little stressful for different reasons, but I'm very excited about that. So um, yeah, just staying busy, but uh, the the baseball season is always good just pe- to kind of give me um, give me some distractions from from all the, uh, the stuff going on. So, um, so yeah, no, uh, I'm, I'm, like I said earlier, very excited to be talking about the White Sox on a weekly or, or however often we'll talk about in basis. Um, because, and we're, I know we're going to dive into this in a second, but while I have many thoughts about maybe what they may not do this off season, um, the bottom line is, is yes, they are still a good to very good to possibly great team as constructed. Um, do I think that's an excuse not to add more? No, but we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely agree. Yeah. Uh, where the White Sox are a good team or are they, are the White Sox good? Yes, absolutely. They're good. Uh, are they great though? Uh, and so my standard for great uh, will be, uh, yeah. Will this team get completely just blasted by the Houston Astros in the first round of the playoffs? Yeah. 
Uh, so I feel as if a great team moves past the Astros, uh, but I feel as if we definitely need to want more. Uh, so uh, I, I know a, a frequent complaint is, you know, the money will be spent, the money will be spent. Uh, and frankly, the, the money kind of has been spent. Yeah. Uh, from what I see, I, I looked up spot track and the White Sox actually have the fifth or I, I actually I think this needs to be updated because I don't think it shows. Uh, the numbers for Castellanos after that signing, oh, what the heck? I have it up here right in front of me, literally. Um, but the White Sox are, are in the top 10 uh, mm-hmm. in, in Major League Baseball payroll. Yeah, the, the, the Phillies were at number six. The White Sox were at number five. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel as if that's not necessarily an excuse, though. Um, yeah, like I said before, uh, the White Sox have yet to uh, sign a player with, I, I think I said like eight figures before, right? Not, yeah. not, not like a six-figure contract or a seven-figure contract, but an eight-figure contract. They have yet to do that. Uh, so yeah, the money still should be spent, uh, just mainly because we're so used to looking at money in, in a very short-sighted sense. Uh, so yeah, so we may be top 10 in baseball, but why can't we be top five again? Right. And I, and I look at it like when you look at the roster, I understand they have spent money on the roster. They spent a lot of money in the bullpen, which I have no issues with. A lot of money. Yeah. In the bullpen. <laughs> um, and, and that's, and that's fine and well. And I, and I like that they've, you know, made a, a great investment into the bullpen, but especially, especially important when you think about last season, what kind of did them in was their starting rotation guys that we love in that rotation really just, kind of started to break down, um, especially in that, you know, leading up to, and in, in especially in the playoff series, and you need to be able to extend, you know, your, your, your staff into a, you know, deep into games. Um, and if you can't do that, then yes, they do have this mega bullpen, obviously with the new additions in the offseason of Grave, Kendall Graveman and Joe Kelly, um, which we'll, we'll get into in more detail here shortly. But my, when I look at the roster, you know, right field, is still that big issue, obviously, as White Sox Twitter will, and including myself, uh, will will uh, put out into the universe. But the bottom line is, is that yes, they do have a very strong team. Um, sometimes I found that I can focus so much on right field that I, speaking personally, I will forget about you know guys like Aloy Jimenez or guys like Luis Rob, Robert, like and and you know these the or you know the the players that we do have kind of thing, but. The bottom line is, is that if you were to construct, if you were to, you know, pencil in your, your, um, your opening day lineup in right field, you know, we could make pretty good educated guesses, but they don't have a right fielder that you're totally confident about throwing out there right now, at least for the extended season. Do teams go with platoons? Absolutely. Can good teams go with platoons? For sure. But I don't know that any guy that's going to be playing out there, um, is even really a right fielder naturally. Right. So, and, and in this off season, there's been several options. We're down to really one or two right now. Um, but that's, that's my issue. So as much money as they've spent on the team, if there's still a position that needs to be addressed, which I just think objectively right field does need to be uh, addressed, then you got to spend more. And, and I know that's, that's hard when, like you said, a top five payroll, top five, six payroll, whatever. Um, that's all great. But we, I just keep going back to that playoff series against the Astros. And I, I tweeted this out the other day, but I think that it, had they played that series 10 times, the old, like if they played them 10 times, 
I really think they would have lost 10 times. I don't see one way that they get past the Astros um, that in, in, in that playoff series. And, and I'm not saying it's because of the right field situation, but you take a good team, you take a very good team, sign other, you know, even if it's that one more piece to make it that much better. I just think that we're not talking. We're actually at a point where we're not talking about division, uh, division champions anymore. We're talking about, you know, a deep playoff contender and, and they're not, they could, they're, I'm not saying that they can't get there with what they have, but it'd be a lot easier with a, with a Michael Conforto or any of the other um, options that have already been signed, but Conforto is still out there. <laughs> Conforto indeed is still out there. And so uh, we can talk about him uh, right now, actually. So Conforto is is definitely my my choice for a long-term solution in right field. And the thing is though, uh, like we have, we seem to have this discussion every year where uh, yeah, just in 2020 uh, the solution was uh, uh, Nomar Mazzara. And you remember how that well, how well that worked out in 2021. Uh, yeah, it was the uh, extremely questionable Adam Eaton. Uh, just wow, I forgot about that. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's okay. You know, I think I repressed that as well. I, I too would like to forget about Adam Eaton finally. Uh, and so in uh, 2022, uh, now we have this Sheets Vaughn platoon. So uh, two guys that I like quite a bit. Uh, so Andrew Vaughn did not really have a great 2021, uh, just extremely streaky hitter, but just coming or just looking at where he comes from, like was a really fantastic hitter in college, uh, was called up directly to the majors, like spent virtually no time in the minor leagues. And uh, yeah, came up uh, and yeah, I, even though I know he's got potential uh, just in the, in the myopic short term, he came up short in a lot of big spots last year. So I don't know, it would make me feel better at least to lock down a lot more of a long-term solution. Uh, So Michael Conforto uh, absolutely just fits the bill. It just would absolutely be perfect for this long-term right field role, but uh, the reason there, there might be a strong reason as to why he hasn't signed yet. So uh, this morning, uh, Josh Nelson, our friend of the pod, Josh yeah. Nelson, retweeted this article from Yahoo Sports, uh, where it looks as if, uh, yeah, plenty of players uh, on the Mets uh, have voluntarily agreed to not be vaccinated. Uh, so uh, it's the line from this article, which it looks like I have lost. Okay, there we go. I found it. All right. So several prominent Mets like Pete Alonzo, Francisco Lindor, and Max Scherzer took the vaccine in 2021. But the Mets were also one of the least vaccinated teams in baseball last year, never hitting the 85% threshold to loosen COVID-19 protocols. Multiple Mets leaned on personal choice rhetoric when asked directly about the vaccine last year, including J.D. Davis, James McCann, and now free agent agent Michael Conforto. So uh, yeah, there is now a mandate in, this, in, this, in the city of New York, New York City, that unvaccinated players uh, on the uh, Yankees and Mets uh, will not be able to play. So that kind of opens a really interesting, uh, yeah, interesting uh, set of rules there. Uh, so yeah, uh, do you think that this may be one of the reasons why Conforto just hasn't signed yet, or uh, are the White Sox just sitting on their hands uh, yet again? Uh, what are your thoughts here? 
Well, it's funny because when I saw Josh uh, retweet or tweet that earlier, um, I, I was kind of like, I, I, it was, it was a little bit um, frustrating to see for a couple of reasons, but one of the initial reasons was that, Oh, great. And this is not what Josh was saying by any means. He was just sort of saying this could be a possibility, but uh, you know, I think that the White Sox are more kind of sitting on their hands a little bit in the off season. Um, so I, I don't, I, in my opinion, I kind of think they're done um, adding in the off season. I think that this is kind of the roster they're going to have. And we've sort of seen this before. Um, it, that's kind of the, the, the narrative that history would tell us. Uh, so when this was thrown in, I sort of saw it and I was like, damn it. This is kind of a legit reason, at least to me, why you'd maybe be um, hesitant to, to make this signing because, and this is just, you know, we, we, uh, we know that in sports uh, and, you know, this would be a whole other conversation that I don't even think either of us feel like diving into today, but with the, um, the, the trade that happened in the NFL yesterday and so many other things, we know that um, sports teams don't care at all about, um, you know, off the field things that, that athletes will do. Uh, they care about the on the field things. So I will just say that I don't know that this um, before the New York city news went into effect um, or the mandate went into effect. What was that a week ago, a week and a half ago? I don't know that this would have been necessarily an issue, but I think that to me that kind of brought up this where I, I don't know how quickly teams are going to be giving big money to a, Mike, a potentially unvaccinated Michael Conforto where there's restrictions of where they may be able to play, if that makes sense. So I, it's, I, I would say, no, I don't think that the White Sox would care about the unvaccinated status unless it does impact games during the season of where he may be available or not. So um, personally, I want everybody on the teams that I root for to be vaccinated. Uh, I, I, I can't believe we're saying this now in 2022 that, um, you know, living through a couple years and plus of a pandemic that we're still having people say personal choice, whatever. But, you know, we've talked about it on the past podcast before, but it's just that, um, you know, would it, would it, would I not want them to sign him simply because he's unvaccinated? I don't know about that, but if it will restrict him from playing games um, in, in various cities and getting into all that and seeing where that kind of might go, I, I don't know. I could see why that could be a potential hesitation, but not because of his choice, more just because of what his choice means for his availability. For sure, for sure. Uh, and uh, especially, I, I don't see uh, Conforto certainly signing within an AL East team uh, since, right. yeah, uh, and vaccinated players uh, won't be able to play road games uh, in Toronto. So, uh, yeah, whenever you uh, see whatever lineup uh, against the Blue Jays at the Rogers Center, it's going to be <laughs> a very depleted. Uh, Aaron Judge certainly will not have to face uh, the Blue Jays. Uh, in the Rogers Center, uh, I, I'm not a huge uh, Blue Jays, Yankees uh, historical expert, so I really wouldn't be able to tell you uh, the the implications of that. But yeah, the writing is definitely going to be on the wall there. Uh, so even though this is not, you know, Northside Sox uh, pro vaccination podcast, I do have to say that the whole personal choice narrative, uh, I mean, I can understand that, you know, just to a point, but when it affects the health of millions and millions of people that's when that and, i don't know maybe, maybe should fly out the window and it's, i just think too and and just 
um, the, the personal choice thing, I think it's because, you know, the, the sports angle of it is that we've seen it in the NBA, we've seen it um, in, in MLB, but with, yeah, while it, yes, it, it's a personal choice to not be vaccinated, but there are also, if that, you know, if that prevents a player from playing because of rules or mandates or whatever, then that's also the consequence of a personal choice and, and both things have to be able to exist. So I think that's what gets what kind of gets lost in a lot of this conversation is that um, play, like, as far as I'm concerned, if, if a player does or doesn't want to get vaccinated, I, I really would hope that they would, and they, they should science would say everything would say, but if they don't, they also have to be okay with the consequences of whatever the leagues that they play for or the cities, the teams that they play for restrict um, as well. So uh, yeah, I don't know, but the bottom line is, is that the White Sox sort of, for whatever reason, they've held off from the right field market this offseason. It has left them with one, I'll say, sort of headlining option, which would be the Michael Conforto. Um, I know there's a couple other options out there, um, but as we were joking before the podcast, I'm okay with really anybody at this point just to bring in. <laughs> um, and uh, we did see uh, a couple of big MLB moves between late – between late last night and then very early this morning. I was sleeping when this stuff broke. <laughs> but- no, man. Um, I, I woke up and uh, my friend, my friend Dahlia St. Knives texted me and was like, what the hell? Like this, like I'm really weird news to wake up to. Uh, so if you haven't heard yet, the twins have signed Carlos Correa uh, to, I don't know the exact financials here, but I think it's right in front of me. Uh, oh no! Three million, three years. I don't know. Uh, let's see here. I had like fifty billion windows open, and not one of them. Uh, <laughs> That's, oh, it is a three-year, hundred and five million dollar deal with like two opt-outs. With two opt-outs, yeah, it's one of those weird <laughs> Boris contracts. Yes. <laughs> All right. So objectively, I think like this is a fantastic move for the Twins. Like, what an upgrade! What an yep. upgrade to go from Andrelton Simmons to Carlos Correa that that is an absolute just like boost to their lineup yeah um but uh yeah just it's it's absolutely great uh as a White Sox fan though like I think it sucks I hate it um yeah what an upgrade for the twins uh but uh, one thing that I do want to point out is that Carlos Correa is a little bit less of a Sox killer uh than Isaiah Kiner-Falefa which uh, was on the Twins for, I think, like 30 minutes before yeah. <laughs> it was flipped over to the New York Yankees. I think there's a picture of Isaiah Kiner-Falefa shaking uh, Rocco Baldelli's yes. <laughs> While he was uh, maybe telling him that he was going to be sent, sent back out of town. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. So it looks as if uh, – yeah, Korea's numbers are uh, slightly worse than Kiner Falefa's versus the White Sox, uh, but that's like really more so astrology at this point. Uh, Korea is kind of a Sox killer. Kiner Falefa is definitely more. So uh, yeah, maybe there's really nothing to worry about here. Uh, the Twins lineup, I think, in my opinion, still has plenty of holes though, uh, and. Uh, if Byron Buxton stays healthy, uh, then, uh, yeah, he's always been a thorn in our side. 
but the Twins still have a pretty horrible rotation in bullpen, though. So I really don't see this move hurting the White Sox too much. Uh, he, he, he might, you know, just slap a dinger here and there to be a pain in the ass. But other than that, I, I really don't see the White Sox being too affected by this. I know. What do you think? Yeah, I, you know, I think it's funny as a White Sox fan. No, I don't love the Twins, you know, um, signing Carlos Correa. But, and, but I do agree with you. I, I don't think it's going to be too much of an impact as far as with, you know, as far as winning the division still. But as a, as a fan of baseball, I really actually like the Twins doing this because we've seen so many, so many times. And I think Ken Rosenthal wrote a, a piece that I kind of skimmed this morning where he said, you know, it basically that, um, you know, the twins signed a great player with to try and win games. Right. And like more teams should do that more, not just the big market teams um, should, should be doing that because all these teams have money. We've talked about that a lot. Um, But, you know, I, I like when more teams are trying to win Uh, especially, you know, when, when the team I root for is good and, and I don't have to worry about them not being one of those teams that are going to win games, but um I think it's good for the sport. It's good. You know, a, a team like the twins should be trying to, to contend like every other team um, when that yeah. maybe traditionally isn't the case, but I just think that no, as far as it affects the white Sox, it makes the twins better. Does it make the twins anywhere near kind of where the white Sox are? Uh, no, not, not in, not on its own. Um, additionally, just a couple, a couple of things I was, as I was scrolling through Twitter this morning, looking at different reactions Um uh, James Fox, uh, our, our friend, of course, and um, he said he basically was saying that he thinks it's good for the White Sox because it kind of makes me you know it, it it's good for the you know they kind of slept I think he used the word sleep sleepwalk through the, the through the season last year because they didn't really have to you know they were kind of rolling the whole way through everyone in the division was really really bad other than them um, and this kind of can wake them up a little bit uh, this can give you know there were a lot of games last season where you know, I, I was, you know, I'm, I'm one of the sick fans that's watching, you know, pretty much every game, but there were a lot of games that it's just, yeah, we're playing, you know, whether it's uh, the, the, any number of teams in the division and even outside where it just didn't feel like the White Sox were, were challenged very much. And we saw that maybe negatively impacting them when they faced a objectively good team or a great team in the Astros last year. So, um, and then the other part of it is this weird contract uh, which I think Jordan Lazowski of uh, Sox on 35th tweeted this morning that, you know, if he, if, if Conforto has a great, excuse me, not Conforto, if um, Correa has a great season, like a great season, he can opt out and try and get even, you know, a longer, bigger contract. If he has a bad season, then he'll opt in to the rest, you know, to the, to the next season of the contract. And if he has a bad season, then, he hasn't impacted the White Sox, obviously. And he's, if he has a great season, then he may leave the twins after this year anyway. So, um, That's nice. yeah, yeah wow. it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting situation that, that Jordan brought up there, but, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I will say though, that aside from the, uh, aside from the twins, uh, the, it's not that the AL central is all of a sudden great. Um, but there's a couple teams in there that, that are going to be, uh, quite a bit, I think quite a bit improved. And, and the team that scares me the most, honestly, is, De- is Detroit. Um, how, how do you, th- who do you think, I guess, I mean, I guess that it's, it would seem like the twins are going to be that, that um, possible thorn in the white side side this season, but do you see anybody else in the division kind of giving them a problem? 
Oh, I talked about this with the 108 guys a few weeks ago. I, I, I agree with you that it's probably going to be Detroit uh, that is going to just cause a problem for the White Sox down the road. Uh, that really, like the, that that young pitching staff, like Casey Mize, uh, Tarek Skubal, a lot of those young guys uh, are just going to develop more. Uh, we saw them first in 2020. They looked fantastic mm-hmm. back then. Uh, yeah, and, and they've only gotten better, too. Uh, and so Detroit has also added, too. They signed Javi Baez. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, just massive upgrades uh, for them uh, at, at that position uh, defensively. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, because I said that Detroit is probably going to pose the biggest uh, threat to the White Sox, it's actually probably going to be the Royals. Uh, so, uh, yeah, another really uh, interesting free agent signing. Uh, the Royals brought back Zach Greinke. Uh, and so, I don't know, maybe Green Grinky is cooked at this point. He's one of the few uh, MLB years left that's actually older than I am. So he makes me feel young. So <laughs> uh, uh, thank you, Zach Grinky, uh, for, uh, for, 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 for still trying to play baseball. Uh, but, <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, if not, yeah, I, the, the Royals, I feel are just this team that will constantly just, uh, pose a problem for the White Sox. Like even, even if they, you know, just fall flat on their faces against other AL teams, uh, they will probably still cause problems for the White Sox. I, I forgot honestly about the Royals and you just brought them up, but you're, you're absolutely right. Um, they, they're kind of a, they're a young team. They're, they're, you know, pretty talented and they're getting, you know, they've got, a, I know that they're one of those teams that just has a whole lot in the system that's coming up. Um, I think is it Bob, Bobby Witt uh, junior. Is that his name? He's, he's, yep. he's going to be up in the, uh, in the majors this season, I, or as I like to say, Bobby Witt Mer- Merrifield. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, that was just a dreadful joke. Um, and so anyway, <laughs> um yeah, it, but you know what though? Like I said before, I'm I'm honestly okay. I'm comfortable with the White Sox, even if they don't make any more additions, at least within the division, um, to take care of business again this season and win the division. But it, it's going to it will not be as easy as it was last season. Um, it just it just won't. There's there's been enough talent added in, to the other teams in the division where um, you know they may not be able to sleepwalk every single game, um, but. Uh, but yeah, they did make some additions this offseason. Uh, once the lockout was lifted and the um, you know wild offseason, it took a couple of days for that wild offseason to kick off. But it certainly has been one uh, since that really kicked off. Um, the the two signings of Josh Harrison and of um, Joe Kelly are the new additions on the White Sox. What do you think about that? What what was your first reaction when those signings came through? Uh, first of all, uh, after hearing the Korean news this morning, I think it's absolutely hilarious that uh, Carlos Correa and Joe Kelly are, are now in the same yes. division. <laughs> uh, so speaking of other things that are hilarious, we're going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to uh, tell you my Joe Kelly thoughts uh, in just a little bit. So here's a word from our sponsor. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we're back. All right. So uh, I definitely have not been looking at pictures of Joe Kelly and his little uh, mariachi uh, suit. Uh, I I have always known, of course, who Joe Kelly was uh, having, you know, just... Uh, being adjacent to Dodgers Twitter, uh, they either like absolutely love him or they uh, just think he's, uh, yeah, just a, a dude who has absolutely no control at all. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in love with Joe Kelly. I, I, I love his personality. Um, I, I just love how I, I watched his interview yesterday with NBC Sports uh, Chicago. And yeah, he, he just kind of looks like a, a very stoned chipmunk, just kind of <laughs> looking around the room and, you know, just getting a feel for his surroundings. Uh, I, I think I, I really like this guy. He's going to fit in well. And uh, the fact that uh, he's joining this super bullpen uh, because the White Sox apparently uh, are completely okay with uh, dishing out money to relievers. Uh, so Joe Kelly signed a two-year $17 million deal. Uh, so he actually does have a nerve issue in his bicep that sidelined him uh, in the postseason last year. Uh, so he won't be ready for the start of the 2022 season. Uh, but otherwise, uh, last year in LA, uh, he had a 286 ERA, um, 0.98 whip, which is the stat that you really want to look at when, you know, you're dealing with a reliever. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I probably most famous for his control issues in the postseason, uh, hence why I brought up, uh, Carlos Correa. Uh, so, uh, I hope maybe one day there's going to be a pouty mural in the South Loop, <laughs> Joe Kelly, uh, in a White Sox uniform. But yeah, he was definitely well loved in Los Angeles. Uh, but yeah, your Joe, your Joe Kelly thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, echoing off a lot of that, I, I really like the signing. Um, really, the only thing that concerns me is, you know, you, not so, it's like, they they loved him in LA and they threw him a lot in LA. You know, he 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 had he had a lot of use last season. He's a guy that'll get a lot of you know use in his career um coming out of the bullpen. Um so there's a lot of mileage on that arm. Uh I guess that's that's kind of you know, you could see the numbers check out. He he he's you know he's he's come through um in his roles, but I guess just the injury scares me a little bit. Um listening to him in a couple of interviews over the last week. He doesn't sound concerned about any of that. Um, you know, he, I think if it was up to him, he'd be, he'd be out there, you know, opening day coming out of the bullpen or, or in whatever role they need him in. Um, so I like everything about it. You know, the, I'd be lying if I said that the injuries weren't a little bit of, or the injury or the usage wasn't a little bit of a concern, but, um, but no, no, no issues with that one. And, and I think that, uh, yes, good money to pay to him, but a uh, perfectly reasonable deal for a guy, another guy that they could throw out and um and kind of bridge to uh bridge to somebody closing the game we'll see we'll see who that's going to be this season 
Yeah, uh, the White Sox have a really interesting setup right now where, you know, we have three closers, you know, what's yeah. better than one closer, but two closers, <laughs> better than two closers, three closers. Yes. Uh, I, I, but I, I, th- I think uh, with this like monster bullpen, I, the White Sox definitely need to just uh, emphasize that that there's just all of this confidence uh, in Liam Hendricks as being the closer. Uh, I'm not exactly sure uh, what Craig Kimbrell uh, is doing. Um, yeah. uh, to, to air some uh, brief uh, Craig Kimbrell grievances, like first of all, like my beef isn't necessarily with with Craig per se, but so the Craig Kimbrell trade sent Nick Madrigal over to the North Side. Uh, and then it was later revealed that uh, Nick Madrigal actually has the same agent as Seiya Suzuki, who actually was one of my choices for right field for the White Sox. Just a really fantastic, um, a really fantastic hitter out of Japan uh, would be a fantastic love to have in the outfield. And also, too, um, I, I don't think uh, the White Sox have had um, an Asian player uh, in the org for quite a bit. It would be nice to finally get some representation back. Uh, But anyway, that's just my personal thing. But yeah, uh, Nick Madrigal actually recruited Seiya Suzuki uh, to the Cubs. So that's a little bit of an insult to injury thing. But anyway, uh, going back to Craig, uh, I feel as if the White Sox are probably going to see if he has anything left. And if he does, oh, hey, look, you've got another pitcher. Fantastic. And if he doesn't, um, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I feel as if his trade value is going to be pretty low then. Um, but either way, you know what, maybe if, you know, he comes out of the gate and has a couple of solid performances, his trade value is high. And then maybe the White Sox can scoop up um, perhaps, I don't know, the use of a, uh, you know, s- someone else. I, I don't want to speculate or, you know, just throw out any guesses as to who um, the White Sox would trade for. But uh, yeah, either way. Uh, something needs to be done with Greg Kimbrell. Yeah, it's it's just such a you know the I the trade the trade kind of imploding on multiple fronts wasn't so much I don't have so much of an issue with like with trading Nick Madrigal or Co- Cody Hoyer who is I think going to be out for the 2022 season with I believe he had he had TJ yeah so hopefully he <clears throat> has a quick recovery there um, you know all things considered but you know it's it's just that it was such a shame that that you know i liked the trade then even in retrospect i i'm okay with the trade um but just in terms of it seemed it was a good idea at the time i i think even as it turned out it didn't turn out well but it doesn't always turn out well but just that kimbrel was so um ineffective last season and seemingly just completely went off the rails with his stuff and with his um you know locating his pitches and just nothing was really working um, and then that was really the worst case scenario because now into this season, they picked up that option year, which um, was an interesting decision now where it doesn't seem like, I, I believe that the White Sox have very aggressively been trying to trade Craig Kimbrell. Um, that contract is definitely a, a, a killer in terms of how much money maybe they want to eat in the deal or pass along and all that. Um, but you know, it wouldn't be bad to have Craig Kimbrell in the mega bullpen, but Craig Kimbrell didn't show us very much last year to say that, I don't know, you know, if he's not comfortable pitching in the, any inning other than the ninth, for example, um, there's a lot of options uh, that that are out there. And, and between both of us, I know that, you know, our choice is definitely Liam Hendricks to be closing out games. 
Um, and so if, if Hendricks is the closer and, you know, Kendall Graveman is maybe going to be in the eighth inning or something like that, I don't know how they're going to work it all out, but you've got a lot of guys that'll lead you up to, up to the closer. And if Kimbrell can't pitch in those spots, then there's just not a spot for him on this team. Um, so yeah, they, I, I wouldn't mind if he had been good last year and now he's going to be good this year and he's comfortable throwing in any, any role, but he's not shown the kind of Liam Hendricks ability to, to, Hey, put me in coach, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever you need me to do. So, um, I don't know. I, I know that, uh, that they're trying to trade him, but it does seem like at this point, um, like you said, they're going to probably just try and showcase him a little bit here early in the season and, and show teams if he really has, you know, uh, you can kind of bounce back here. Awesome. So uh, you, you mentioned Kendall Graveman uh, was signed right before uh, the lockout happened. So uh, an interesting little tidbit for any baseball bar trivia that you might be doing in the near future. Uh, so Kendall Graveman was actually the last pitcher to have an at bat uh, before the universal DH was, was instituted. Wow. the more you know there you go we we have the last the last hitting pitcher ever uh on the chicago white Sox. uh so uh, what influence that has on graveman's performance this year absolutely none i I just thought it was a cool fact (laughs) no that's a good that's a good piece of trivia right i could tell you uh some yeah fun kendall graveman facts um but Let's go ahead and talk about the other big uh, offseason. I don't know what, like big maybe is a little bit of a generous <laughs> word. Uh, Josh Harrison uh, was signed to a one-year $5.5 million contract. Uh, he's expected to be the primary second baseman. Uh, so I am not exactly sure I love this. Uh, taking a look at his defensive stats, uh, he's posted a DRS defensive run saved. Uh, hovering around like zero, uh, which makes him a, a pretty like average defender, average to horrible, I, I guess is like <laughs> the interpretation of that stat. Uh, the last time he posted a positive DRS was 2018 with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure I, I love this move, uh, just mainly because uh, there were there better options out there probably um will he perhaps you know just come up big uh in the lineup uh, in big spots i mean like hopefully like dang uh but yeah i feel as if this signing was definitely kind of a vibe signing and I, I know that josh harrison's a big clubhouse guy which is important i i, I recognize that yeah it, it's it's cool to have cool guys on the team uh, so, uh, yeah, like I am, yeah, definitely not my favorite free agent signing, but I'm willing to roll with it. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it shakes it up a little bit in the sense that, you know, they're not rolling into the season with, again, like some kind of strange platoon at second base. At least they've got, um, they've got Harrison who, like you said, probably will be the, the everyday second baseman or pretty much everyday second baseman. Um, I think you made a really, I mean, I like, I like Josh Harrison probably more in terms of what he could bring to the, um, to the clubhouse than maybe what he'll bring on the field. I hope that he brings, um, you know, a solid defense and maybe a little bit of offense there, um, to that lineup. But, you know, I, I weirdly have faith in this, in this signing actually turning out pretty well. I don't think that he's going to be the, um, the, the, you know, missing component or anything like that, but I think that, um, I think it'll be just fine. Uh, I, I will say though that 
when you sign somebody like Josh Harrison, who, you know, a, a kind of an okay signing, somebody that can probably just hold down second base all right. When you don't, and I, I hate to go back to this, but when you don't sign, um, let's say a, a big bat in, in right field or, or kind of solidify that position, um, right field, or really if there was any other hole in the, in the lineup, which there really isn't, but in, if you're not going to send that right fielder, then, um, it's harder to absorb a guy like Josh Harrison who maybe right. isn't going to bring as much offensively. So there's a lot of offense in the White Sox lineup for sure. Um, but the, but when you're kind of addressing each, a couple positions in platoons or, or guys that aren't supposed to be in these positions really, um, that's where it gets a little bit harder, you know. So had they signed a, a Nicastianos or had they signed, um, if they signed a Michael Conforto or something like that or any of these other right field options that were available, um, you look at Josh Harrison, you say that's totally fine. But when you don't do that, it will potentially amplify the weaknesses that um, sort of an, a not long-term option will have at that position. Absolutely. And one of the things that I, w- I would read on Twitter is, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, it makes perfect sense to dish out a one-year flyer, a $5.5 million contract to a veteran uh, with the assumption that a large pot is going right. to go to some like mm-hmm. marquee, like just big name free agent. And uh, yeah, um, like you said before, uh, in my opinion, I think the White Sox are done. Like I, I, I hope I eat crow. I, I hope I'm proven wrong, but I, I honestly do not see uh, them picking up Conforto. Um, I, I do saw. I, I, I do saw. Like this MF <laughs> said, I do saw. Um, I, I did see. Thank you very much. That uh, John Becker on Twitter did predict that the White Sox would sign Conforto. Uh, so. Uh, there you go. That th- there is your mild pr- prognostication for your Saturday morning. Um, um, well, that's. I mean, and I guess that that could be. You know, I agree that I think they're done. But the Conforto thing is interesting because if they're not, if they were waiting on the market a little bit here, I mean, Conforto's options are not are not as expansive as they were a couple of weeks ago. And so, um, especially with we know how Scott Boris works, he's incredible at his job. Um, he, you know, when he wants a certain contract or a certain situation for a player, he usually gets that. Um, he makes but, it happen. Yeah, but it, but it's a tough spot probably now just with not as many openings. And so maybe the White Sox are sitting there with an opportunity to, to get him for what they're looking to pay. Um, but I think that the reason I think they're done isn't so much that Conforto is, will cost this much or this option will cost this much. I kind of think they're just, done. I kind of think that they're just comfortable with the roster they have right now. Um, we might have to just wait until the trade deadline to see, um, you know, when to see them, you know, make another, make another addition there. I wouldn't be surprised if, if we do end up seeing, you know, a big trade deadline um, acquisition. Um, but so many things can happen between now and then. So we'll <laughs> see. I just, you know, you don't have to give up uh, when, when you sign a free agent, you don't have to give up players. You don't have to give up, um, you know, prospects, you don't have to give up uh, a Nick Madrigal, for example. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, Nick Madrigal, I, I bring that example up. I'm not so um, uh, sad that we lost him, but his recruiting of Suzuki, that's uh, 
you know, that's something you told me about this morning that I was not that's, aware of. And, uh, yeah, that's absolutely the, the <laughs> off-field behavior that you definitely want in a player. Just yeah. someone who is out there reaching out to prospective free agents or, you know, just international uh, folks to make your team better. And I think yeah. um, the Cubs also have that Marcus Stroman as well. Uh, yeah. So. Say what you will about his social media antics, but uh, Stro is just this source of positivity where he's just always like hyping other people up. He's trying to reach out to people to uh, get them to play with him. Uh, yeah, he's he's just uh, an, another one of those guys. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, good for the Cubs. Good for the Cubs. So I, I absolutely hate it, you know, as a White Sox fan, as a baseball fan, I, I think it's fantastic that the Cubs have all of these internal options that, uh, yeah, uh, lead to external options too. Exactly. So, I will good. say one other quick note as far as free agency or the trade market is concerned is I, even if the White Sox don't have a, a right fielder, um, and while I do think that they're done, I'd really like them to, to bring in another starter um, because hmm. And I was just, and I kind of forgot about that in our earlier conversation, but the White Sox have a, have a really solid uh, rotation. Um, but quite frankly, like, you know, with, with losing Carlos Redon to San Francisco, love it for San Francisco. Uh, gonna miss it's you, Carlos. Yeah. Um, but that leave, you know, that leaves a hole in the, in the rotation, especially where, yes, it's great that, um, <clears throat> that Michael Kopak will be in the rotation this season, but we do know that's going to be on some kind of an innings limit. So that kind of, you know, is going to be a, a bit of a challenge navigating throughout so the that season. Bullpen, that bullpen is going to That's be, where the bullpen is going to be. A lot of work. Yeah. Yes. Um, but we see what injuries can do. We see what all this, you know, what can kind of derail a, a strong rotation. And like I said earlier in the podcast, we saw how uh, at the end of the season last year, there was just uh, uh, these guys that had, had thrown a lot of innings. They were starting to kind of break down. They, they were not as effective, which you'll see anyway, no matter what. But. I'd really just like them to bring in um, another starter. I know that the dream options of uh, a Sean Manaya or a uh, Frankie Montes from um, from Oakland would be great because Oakland is, <clears throat> excuse me, decided that they're uh, stripping down and and, and yeah. just not wanting to be a baseball team here for uh, the foreseeable future. Uh, yeah, Oakland's having a moving, yeah, Oakland's having a moving sale. Like, they are. They, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I definitely relate. I'm just moving in a few few weeks now here, but yeah, you want to get rid of all your all your stuff. Exactly. All of a sudden your friends are like, "Wait, you're getting rid of this? Why?" Like, yeah, it, <laughs> and yeah, and that was like that was several players that have already departed there. That was my question as well. But um, I don't think that they're going to be able to get either of those pitchers from Oakland because, as has been said a lot throughout White Sox Twitter, and I agree with, is like if you don't have prospects, uh, which the White Sox are, you know, yes. The prospects are in the majors. I, I get that, um, but they didn't. They haven't replenished that system quite yet. Or it's you know a lot of their their top talent is is a little bit um, at low, lower levels of the minors right now. So there's not a ton of trade uh, pieces in that minor league system unless you wanted to go off of the the major league roster. And I I'm I know a lot of people, including myself, probably don't want to depart. Uh, don't want to send out an Andrew Vaughn quite yet. Uh, for for any of those guys so if you don't have the pieces to trade I don't think we're going to get those kind of caliber guys but and I'd have to review what's left on the market but I I hope they bring in someone we are forgetting about one uh signing which I thought was a minor league signing but it it wasn't uh uh Vince Velasquez uh Velasquez from oh my gosh yeah from Um, I don't even know what his last team was the Phillies the Phillies Uh, the Phillies (laughs) 
Um, um, so uh, Vince Velasquez is probably going to fulfill some kind of swingman role for the White Sox um, and kind of uh, maybe move into the rotation, uh, knock on wood, if any injuries happen. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Vince Velasquez is uh, not great. No. Or at least, um, he, he's go- he's basically going to be another Gio Gonzalez signing, I feel, where uh, he's trying to see if he has anything left in the tank. Uh, and we'll probably just, uh, yeah, just uh, rotate between the bullpen and the rotation as needed. So uh, probably the one thing that I do remember from Vince Velasquez is that like really fantastic outfield assist that he made yeah. in extra innings uh, back in, I think it was like 2019 mm-hmm. uh, when the White Sox were playing the Phillies in interleague play, uh, just Vince scooped up a ball and threw out Jose Abreu uh, at home which uh, throwing out Jose Abreu, maybe um, at surface level for a regular <laughs> outfielder may not be too great of an accomplishment, but considering that Vince Velasquez is a pitcher and not an outfielder, uh, yeah. that's pretty cool. That, that was pretty damn helpful. cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, he's the exact opposite of a position player pitching. He is a pitcher playing a position, which is, is, is pretty rare in itself. Yeah. You don't see that. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I definitely felt as if, uh, yeah, this was really more so of a roster filling move. Right. Uh, I mean, like like you and I hope as White Sox fans, you know, hopefully he comes and has some effective innings. But uh, I honestly think Sean Manaya would would have filled out the uh, the rest of the rotation nicely and would have been an acceptable uh, replacement to Carlos Rodon. Uh, so the thing is, though, he's got one year of his contract left. Uh, so the A's would probably want something fairly substantial for him, probably probably a Sheets or a Vaughn or a Berger. Um, maybe, maybe, you know, a, a, a literal cheeseburger <laughs> at this point, but, the deal. <laughs> yeah, but, or maybe we wait until 2023, uh, where he will be a free agent and like attempt to maybe scoop him up there. Uh, but he's, he has some pretty solid numbers. Uh, he's also 24. Uh, he's, he's from the, he's, he's from Northwest Indiana as well. So he's kind of a hometown guy, kind of, sort of. But, uh, yeah, I feel as if he's a lot better than what a 391 ERA implies. Uh, I think he would be fantastic on the White Sox. I I think Frankie Montas is maybe a little bit better, uh, but also, too, I saw this concerning tweet from Marley Rivera where she says that the Minnesota Twins, uh, Kewal Groans, Continue in talks with Oakland in their pursuit of Frankie Monta, sources tell ESPN. Well, I mean, this makes perfect sense for them because, like I said earlier on the show, um, yeah. the Twins rotation is kind of booty. Uh, so yeah. I, I feel as if, yeah, the addition of Frankie Montas would definitely shore up that rotation very nicely. But of course, too, because we are Team White Sox over here. Uh, no, I know. I don't want that to happen. Oh. Yeah. Well, like you, like we were saying earlier, like Carlos Correa on his own doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't scare me too much being added to the Twins. But yeah, they're they're starting to they're putting a little team together over uh, up there in, in Minneapolis. Um, so uh, yeah, I don't like that tweet so much, but we'll see how that develops by the time this podcast drops. The Twins may have traded for. Um, the remaining pieces, all the remaining pieces on that Oakland A's roster. So we'll see. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Nope, nope, nope. Don't like that one bit. Um, 
All right, then. Uh, I believe that pretty much wraps it up. Then we, we talked about all of the free agents. We talked about uh, the remaining holes uh, and the likelihood of whether they will be filled or not. Uh, highly unlikely on, you know, just from a historical standpoint, I, I feel as if we should probably just feel, uh, yeah, assume that the current roster is probably going to be, you know, yes. somewhat close to the opening day roster anyway. Uh, but yeah, uh, it was really nice to kick it with everyone once again. Uh, we missed you. Hopefully, yes. you missed us too. And if you didn't, <laughs> then you know the hell with you. Then. <laughs> um. So, any, any closing thoughts, Sam. Uh, closing thoughts. Yeah, I'll keep saying it. Good to be back. Um, good that baseball's right around the corner. Um, I genuinely thought that after maybe the fifth or sixth Bob Nightingale tweet saying that um, the CBA and the union, or excuse me, the, the CBA and MLB were going to, um, you know, we're getting very close to an agreement. And then of course it all fell apart. I didn't think we'd really have a baseball season this year. Um, so it is nice that after all of that, they came to an agreement only delaying the season by a few days. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it's nice that there will be baseball this year and specifically a, a very good uh, White Sox team to watch. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, but it, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll follow it along all, all through the season. Woo. And speaking of CBAs, uh, so my good friend Shakia Taylor is uh, running her show Ballpark Figures on Thursday, April 7th. And the guest is going to be uh, Mark Normandin. I think that's how you say his name. I'm like, I'm so used to butchering last names at this point <laughs> that I have to apologize preemptively. Uh, so he's a writer about baseball and labor. And uh, yeah, he's going to answer plenty of your CBA questions and thoughts. Uh, so that's Tuesday, April 5th at 7 p.m. Central. So uh, to sign up, it is saber.org slash ballpark dash figures. That should be an interesting show. Always like love learning from shake. Uh, So anyway, uh, yeah, uh, Mark is going to be a great resource Uh, for those of us who don't fully understand complex labor negotiations. uh, Me, uh, I I feel every day. I feel as if I, I try to read so much about just um, labor negotiations and I feel as if I don't understand enough. So yeah, uh, MLB is back, but at what cost uh, <laughs> and what does it mean for the future? So very important conversations to have and questions to ask things to learn. Um, all right. Well, that pretty much does it for yet another wonderful episode. The first episode of 2022 for Northside Sox. So, uh, yeah, you can follow Northside Socks podcast uh, at, but that, it's, it's mostly Sam's account at this point. Sometimes <laughs> I'll jump on, sometimes I'll jump on. To My just- favorite is when people, th- like this last week, uh, I endorsed somebody in the 108 tournament and, uh, and, and they think that person, some of the, uh, the opposition who I had endorsed to who I endorsed thought that you were tweeting it out. And very <laughs> so I like when people think sometimes that it's, that it's, you or whatever and it's just like nope it's pretty much just sam. <laughs> send all your send all your hate mail to sam at, at north side Sox. <laughs> exactly yeah um yeah yeah sam does not reflect the uh <laughs> these, are, these are sam's views and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or views of janice uh so there's the uh <laughs> 
There's the disclaimer there. Yeah, it was a buzz, buzz on tap. Uh, who was yes, on yes, yes. Last week, uh, and so I had to gently break it to him. I was like, no, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. Sorry, Buzz. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, follow Sam at Northside Socks Pod. Uh, I jump on there from time to time, but like 90% of the time it is Sam running that account. <laughs> uh, so my account is at Scuriosa. It's S-C-U-R-I-I-O-S-A. Uh, so that being said, that does it for Northside Socks. We'll see you around next time. See you then. <laughs>